Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, we're back with Ayers on the Road. It's Richard and Linda. We're happy to be with you today. We're really excited about today's show because we're going to talk about a secret code for better family communications. Now, I don't know if that excites you as parents, but I guarantee you it excites kids. We've found that children love the idea of a secret code, and as parents get into it, they love it because it's a way to discipline and correct your children in a code that no one else understands. So you can do it in a restaurant or on an airplane, places we're not going these days anyway. <laughs> but you can you can minimize the uh, the uh, friction in the air by having a simple code. You can stop giving lectures because these code words will give the lecture for you. You'll give your lectures in advance. The codes will remind kids of what the rules really are and of how to communicate. I bet people are intrigued now. I bet you're just <laughs> not going to turn it off now. Wow. Um, it really has been a fun thing. Uh, we've used it with our kids, and actually they helped us develop some of it because some of them were older. Yeah, yeah. But um, we've used this, and actually when we speak... Um, around the world, we sometimes have the kids come in for the last hour, and we go through this with them, and it's really pretty We sit fun. the parents around the outside of the room, and we get the kids in front of us, and we, we lay out this code. Now, you may be saying, what in the world are you talking about? Well, here's what happened. We had a, had a wonderful publisher in, in New York, uh, McGraw-Hill, a, a publishing company everyone knows about, they had bid on our next book and they were the high bidders so we went in to see them and we had a really wonderful interesting editor there whose name was um, Nancy and Nancy said we don't want just an ordinary parenting book we want a book about nurturing we want a book that that goes from the heart more than from the head and we got talking to her and thinking well could we put together some kind of a secret code that parents have with their children where there are certain symbols for not interrupting or a symbol for being kind to a sibling or a, a sibling for, uh, you said, a symbol that would that would say um, don't do that you need to correct your action there or pick up after yourself yeah without or... without big lectures and um, in talking about it, we decided the one thing that all children have an affinity for that they really love are animals. So we decided to build this communication code around different animals. You'll understand this more when we get into it. Let's give you a quick example. Uh, there are nine animal symbols in the code. Let's just pick out the one and talk about it, and then we'll get to the other eight. Uh, crabs. What is a crab? And what do you think it might symbolize? And why would a child re resonate with this and remember it and like it? So what we did is had, we'd usually have a child come up and, and say, you know, have you been out on the beach? And often they live near uh, a place where they can go out by the ocean and, or have been there. And um, it really has been fun to say, okay, if you go out and you see crabs, on the beach, what are they like? Cute little guys crawling along sideways. What do they look? And you know, they're like, did they go forward? Did they go? So you just have a little conversation with them about crabs and how interesting they are. They go sideways, they go fast. 
But you're going to catch some crabs. So you take a bucket out there and you put a crab in the bucket. You catch a crab, you put him in the bucket, and what does he do? And what does he do? He tries to get out. He tries his very best. He climbs right out. He can climb out in a second because he he's got those little crab claws, claw and he just and climbs right out of the bucket. Over the edge. But what if you put a second crab in the bucket with the first crab? What happens then? They don't know. They don't know, but they kind of guess that there's only two in there, and they're, we're thinking kind of big crabs. And one of them just about gets up over the top, and then the other one grabs the one of those claws on the bottom and pulls him back down again. And That's then the, the instinct other one tries of crabs. To get up and it pulls him back down again. They won't. They'll never get out. Uh, honestly, they will pull each other down until they die because they can't. They can't help it. They just have this instinct to pull each other down. Now there's a photo. There's a picture. Not a photo. A drawing. Actually, we'll tell you more about those later. That goes with each of these and. The one for the crab is just beautiful because this one little guy is almost over the edge and then the one below him reaches up with his crab claw and pulls him back down. And that's, that's the nature and the instinct of these crabs. So then you say to the child, what, how would that apply to us? And their little minds get going and they're like, wow, sometimes do we pull each other down? Sometimes do we criticize each other? Sometimes do we not want someone to be better than we are? So we say something mean to them like a sibling who's playing the violin. And, and we say, you suck. That's, that's not good. And we're pulling people down. We're, we've got sibling rivalries well, going on. And you have to keep in mind that the parents are sitting around the outside so that they can implement this at home. And they're thinking, ah, maybe I'm a little bit of a crab yeah, once right. in a while. Because that does happen in a marriage. So it's just fun to talk about. So we say, you know, is that how you want to be in your house? You want to be like crabs? No, you don't want to be like crabs. And even if you don't have a, an only child, that can happen with a three-way parent, you know, with a child. And um, so they get in their minds, no, I don't want to do that. And what we suggest is what we want to do is boost people up whenever we have an idea that, I mean, we want to pull somebody down. Instead, just change your mind, flip it in your mind, and push them up. Say something nice instead of something nasty. So the beauty of this for parents is when you have a sibling rivalry going on or you have one child being mean or critical to the other child, pulling them down in some way, instead of some big deal with discipline and the lectures and so on, if you've set this upright, if you've told all these stories, if the kids really have sort of this this interest and love for a crab, then you don't have to do that anymore. You just, you, you, you get the eye contact with the child who's, who's breaking this law and you, you just say one word, crab, crab. And, and if you set it upright, that says everything to the child. Oh, I'm pulling her down. You don't have I'm, to lecture to them. I mean, you just suddenly, the child realizes what he's doing and changes it. On a dime. Every time it works, right? Every time. Every single time. <laughs> foolproof. And you know, uh, if you could see these photos, we're going to tell you how to get these, but you'd, you'd see how, you'd see why kids are so excited by them. These were done by a, a Russian artist that our publisher found, and they're just beautiful, beautiful line drawings. And this one we're talking about shows these wonderful crabs. And kids get that image in their mind, and they don't want to be like that crab, always pulling people down. So, Linda, no, let's actually, just... what and what we come down. The bottom line is, this is the nature of praise. We're talking about using nature to help our kids, but 
the crab is the nature of praise. Praise instead of pull people down. Let's, Linda, let's read through all nine of them just topically. And then in the second half of the show, we'll get to some more of these and tell you how you can get them and use them in your family. So, so law number one is... The nature of commitment. And it is the law of the geese. Um, geese mate for life. And though they migrate thousands of miles, they always come home. Families are forever. So number one is the lesson of the geese, which is commitment. Number two is the law of the crabs, which is the nature of praise. And we've gone through that one, but basically you need only a shallow bucket if you catch crabs, because one crab will instinctively pull back on the others. Families should be more about boosting up than by tearing down. Then number three... The nature of communication. This is the law of the whales, and we'll, we'll give you more on that in just a minute. The, so the songs of humpback whales encourage one another constantly within their family or pod, and they never interrupt. Family communication is all about listening and lifting. So that's number three. Number four is the law of consistency, or the nature of consistency, and it's the law of the tortoise. And we all know this story. The turtle won the race because he knew and prioritized where he was going. In families, steadiness, consistency, and endurance always win, and they make the race enjoyable. Parents' availability is more important than their ability. And number five, the nature of discipline. The law of the elephant's trunk. An elephant's trunk can lift a 500-pound log or pick a single blade of grass. Family love can be both tender and tough. And again, I wish this was TV and you could see these drawings of these beautiful animals. Although on number six, we shift from an animal to a, to a vegetable, to a tree. It's the nature of security or the law of the redwoods. Redwood trees have short, shallow roots, but they intertwine with the other roots in their grove under the ground, and therefore wind can never push them over and they remain strong together. Families with connected roots stand firm against the wind. Number seven, the nature of responsibility. The law of the bear. Though it's a natural impulse, it's always a dangerous mistake to run from a bear. In our families, we grow when we face responsibility and we shrink when we run from it. Well, there's a funny joke that goes with that one that kids just Some love. Some recognize we'll, it. We'll come back to it. Number eight is about awareness, the law of the frog. This is one of my favorites, especially for teenagers. Frogs can get cooked when they lose their awareness or stay too long in their comfort zone. Within families, awareness opens opportunities and diffuses anger. And the last one... The nature of freedom. The law of the fleas. Keep fleas in a box long enough and they'll never jump above the lid level, even when the lid is gone. Families should be about freedom and empowerment, not about boxes and lids. So these are, these, we had so much fun with these. You can probably tell by our voices. We were pretty excited about the whole nature of um, these laws and how, how well they worked with kids. We're going to get into a few more of them. And I think before the break, Linda, we might have time to do 
the whales. It's kind of one of my favorites, the law of communication. So here's, here's these humpback whales. In fact, let me read you the full law, and then I'll tell you how we would try to teach this to a child. Um, you'd come to the law of whales, and you would say, Humpback whales, the largest creatures on earth, and with the largest brains, sing beautiful underwater songs to one another while, while their families are called pods, and most of the songs seem to be between members of a pod. They use their songs to encourage one another or to warn one another, another of danger, and they often sing while they play together. The most amazing thing is they never interrupt. When one whale is singing, the others listen. Let's remember the whales and try to be more like them in our own family. So imagine this beautiful picture of humpback whales and you're now sitting down with your kids and saying, this is going to be a part of our new family code. Look at these wonderful whales. They, they swim in a spiral down to the bottom of the ocean and blow out bubbles and they create a bubble net and then all the little plankton and fish are confined in there and they swim back up through and they eat together and open their and mouths they're, and, and they're, eat they're, together. they're like families and they, they never marine biologists tell us they never interrupt one gets to finish his song then another one takes over and so they communicate beautifully do you think we can do that in our family what if someone's interrupting or what if someone's not listening or what if someone's being rude in their communication how about instead of some big lecture we just look you in the eye and we say whales and what do we do then and you can and Linda you're so good at this you, you role play this and so kids know exactly what that symbol is and when they hear the word whales they know that they need to correct their action. Yeah, the main thing on this is just the fact that they never interrupt each other when they're singing. So the next time you're on the phone and a kid needs your attention, he's pawing at you and yelling at you and you're trying to hear what's going on, you just have to stop for one second and say, whales. And they, they get it. It's like, okay, all right, I'm interrupting. I'll come back later. It really is kind of magic. It's really fun. Why does this work with kids? Because they love symbols. They love secret codes. We'll be right back after this break and tell you about a few more of them. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. It might be interesting for some of you to know a little more on the background of this book. It's one of the most fascinating ones we've ever worked on because we wanted it to be symbolic and sort of secret code-ish and something that was very different from other books. And I remember, Linda, we'd, you know, we'd been publishing with um, Random House, our first several national parenting books, and then we ended up with Simon & Schuster for several more books. And then we bounced around a little because we had an agent who was trying to find just the right publisher for each book. We went with Golden Books for one book, the book on how to talk to your child about sex. Golden Books mostly publishes children's books. All these are in New York City, of course. And then we went over to St. Martin's Press. They were the high bidder on a book called The Happy Family, and I remember that so well because their headquarters is in the Flatiron Building, that beautiful triangular-shaped building that we've seen pictures of in many... It's an iconic building on Broadway, and, and we did that book with them. But then this wonderful um, McGraw-Hill 
an editor named Nancy who we liked so well and helped us put this book together. And the whole idea was, let's help families have less emotional outbursts and less tension. Let's get a simple family code code built around animals and nature that feels quiet and soft and beautiful and has stories connected with it. And let's tap into how much kids love animals and how much they love stories. And let's create these nine symbols for the very things we want in our family. Less friction, more calmness, better communication. More obedience, more responsibility, all those things. It really is, it's been a fun project. It's been a while too. And the very first one is the, the law of the geese, the Canadian geese. Let's read that whole law, Linda. <clears throat> Beautiful big Canadian geese teach us the lesson of commitment. They mate for life, sometimes spending more than 50 years together before one of them dies. They are completely committed to their families. They help each other, they do things together, they keep each other safe. They know they can depend on each other. They put each other first. They always come home. Our family can be just like that. Let's remind one another to be like geese. I remember when we were riding this, Linda, we were driving along a road up by Bear Lake and and you saw a, a drama unfold that led to sort of led to this book. Oh my goodness, yes. That we have a bird refuge just on the east side, past the east side of Bear Lake where we are in the summer. And there's so many birds there. It's so beautiful to drive through there and see so many things. But I was driving along, it's a dirt road, and I was driving along one day and I saw this little family of geese. <clears throat> I could saw, saw the mom come up and then she had eight little goslings. Right in front of your car. Right, right in front of my car. And I just, I stopped, of course, and they just walked, you know, in a little line. The mom went across, and then the dad followed him up at the end. And it was so <laughs> cool, because honestly, this happened. He stood out in front of me and put his wings out. Like, don't like a crossing guard. mess with my family. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. Geese are amazing things. They really do take care of each other, and they mate for life. They do come back, and I don't know if they keep those little kids forever. They go off and have yeah. their families like ours, but it no. is really a beautiful example. Now, the way to the way to implement these codes is to just spend a full month on each one. Don't you don't try to do them all at once. You say, okay, during this particular month, like if you were starting it now, you might say during May, we're going to focus on not tearing each other down or being critical of each other. That's the law of the crabs, and we're going to work on it all month long. And by the end of the month, we're going to know it so well that all we have to say to correct each other is just the word crab. And then we know what that means. And then the next month, we'll move on to the lesson of the whales. And we'll talk about communication and so on. And by the time you've had nine months go by, all nine of these code words are really, really well established. Let's give you a couple more examples. The, the law of the bear. Uh, and it's a funny one because, and kids love this, you tell them a story about two hikers and they're up in the mountains and they're going along, they come around a bend in the trail and there's a bear right in front of them. What are they going to do? Well, one of the hikers gets down on his, on his uh, knee and he, he tears off his his hiking shoes and he starts putting on some running shoes that he has in his pack and the other hiker says what are you doing you can't outrun a bear and the first hiker says i don't need to outrun the bear i just need to outrun you 
and kids will laugh about that. And then you'd get into the story. The lesson of the bear is that when we run away from our problems, our responsibilities, and our responsibilities, and leave them leave them to someone else. If you if you don't clean your room, you're running away, and your mom's going to get eaten by the bear. Your mom's going to be the one with the penalty of the. The, the dirty room. So we don't run from responsibility. We take responsibility. And it really is good. And for homework, it, you know, works for a lot of things with kids. Um, music practice, all that stuff. It is so fun to think about um, a mom just walking into a big messy room with her hands on her hips and she doesn't have to yell or anything. She just says, bear. And then they get it like, Okay, I got to clean up this mess. It's my responsibility. She didn't make this mess. I've got to clean it up myself. And the pit, <laughs> the, the picture for this one is so funny because it's a big hulking bear, beautifully drawn, and he's he's looking down at these shoes that one person shoes. has taken off the hiking shoes that the other one has run from. So, they're all stated. This is how this one's stated. What we learn from the bear. Some people, when they see a bear, try to run away from it in hopes that it will eat someone else instead of them. But bears are like responsibility. They'll catch you if you run, so it's best to face them rather than run away. In our family, we try to take responsibility for the things that are important, and we try to help other family members with their responsibilities without taking the responsibility away from them. Let's remind each other through this code of the law of the bear. Um, the, it really has been fun to have parents realize they don't have to yell at their kids anymore, and especially during this time of pandemic. Yeah, now is um, a good time. There's a lot of yelling going on. This is a good time to set up a family code and, uh, and talk to your children about what just one word means to change their behavior. Now, you could make up your own code. You could draw your own pictures sure. of these animals. You could even include different ones. Or we can get you these, these photos, and we'll tell you how to get them in a minute. But let's do one more, Linda, because some of you listeners may say, well, these are mostly for little kids. Some of the laws are actually for... Um, for teenagers, particularly like the law of the frog. <laughs> right. That We like this one because... Um, we used it a lot. <laughs> we used it a lot. With, with our, our own kids. kids. Yeah, exactly. So read this one, Linda, and then let's talk a little about it. If frogs are in water that is getting gradually warmer and warmer, they don't notice the increasing temperature. They just fall asleep and eventually they get cooked. Sometimes in families, things are happening so gradually to children that they don't really notice what they're getting into, and their parents don't either. We need to notice and be more aware of the good things and the bad things that are gradually happening to us. In our family, let's not be like the frogs. Let's watch and notice. Notice worries and changes and talents in one another, and let's ask lots of questions so we really know what one another is feeling and thinking. That way, nobody will fall asleep. And get cooked. Yeah, you don't want to probably use this one with real little kids because it's a little gruesome. And it is, <laughs> it is actually true though that if you want good frog legs, you and you want them fresh, you throw the frog in live, and if the water's hot, he'll jump right out because he's quick and he's 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 got good reflexes. But if you put them in cold water and the heat goes up gradually, they they're amphibians. They get so comfortable in the water. They don't even notice, and before you know it, they're cooked. Now, 
that that becomes such a useful thing. I'll just tell you one story. We had a one of our sons who uh, kind of a headstrong kid and didn't like to be told no. And you know, I can think of times when he wanted to go to a party we didn't want him to, and we're like, I don't think that's a good place for you to be. Oh, come on, my friends are good. You can you don't judge them. They'll well, there's. Well, there might be alcohol there. Well, there might, I know, but I can handle it, you know. And I remember when we, we were talking about these these laws and, and you know, that's, that's a frog. You might be at a party and it might seem fine, but there's, there's drugs going around or there's, there's drinking going on and the person that you came with who's your driver is now drinking. What do you, you know, you, it may seem okay, but the, the water's heating up. You're, you're the frog. You're in there. You're going to get cooked if you're not careful. And we had talked a lot about it, and I just remember one night when this son, who was just a young teenager, maybe 14, um, uh, called me from a party, and I answered the phone, and, and he just said one word. He said, frog. And I said, I'll be right over. I'll be right over to pick you up. Uh, and I coming. went over and picked him up. And, and it was just a beautiful moment because we knew exactly. We'd taught the lesson in advance. It worked. The code word worked. And it was, e it was the son that used it, not the parents. Yeah, it was really <laughs> fun. And, and often kids were just, it's an easy way to talk about getting in over your head and being able to get out. And sometimes it's really awkward if you haven't talked through it before it happens. So I'm going to tell you how to get these these drawings if you think they would help you. Um, if you go to um, valuesparenting.com, most of you listeners know that's our website. And there's a drop-down menu there under, it's just called VP Premium. And when you go there, uh, it'll just do a drop-down menu and you'll see... Um, code family secret code and you'll click on that and you'll be able to get full screen photos of the elephant and the, the the frog and the whale and so on along with what the law is and how to implement it and you can print these and blow them up and put them on a wall somewhere and say this month we're working on the law of the frog, let's be sure we're not in danger and let's be sure we avoid situations where we could get cooked. And it's just a really fun way to, I, what would you say is the epicenter for these? What age kids? The, the, te the teenager when the frog one works, but most of these I think are for what age? Um, I think, you know, eight to 12. But um, even younger, six, though. actually, I think yeah, for our some little of kids them. get it. Our three-year-olds got the the whales thing, you know, yeah, when they're yeah. coming. Yeah, I haven't thought about that for a while, but they can start. They get it on different levels concepts. according yeah. to how old they are. Yeah. Again, we don't think we're the end all to to this. You might consider creating a family secret code of your own, but the goal from a parent's standpoint is to think things through before they happen, have some kind of a symbolic word or sign. Some families have a sign. We know one family that does a timeout sign when their kids are in public and they're acting up and the kids know they've got to straighten up and we'll talk about it when we get home. And it's just a great thing to be able to work on family systems and something that well, they like the word secret. It's just your family knows what that whale word means or what that crab yeah, word means. Yeah, that's true. And the bottom line is it just makes a stronger family. One of these we didn't talk about was the redwoods 
and even though they're huge, they have roots and they intertwine with each other and hang on to each other, hold each other up. And that's what we want for our So, So good to be with you. Just use this pandemic time to create some communications tools in your family that'll go on after the pandemic's over, which we hope is soon. Uh, we do. And we wish you the very best for another week and on Ayers on the Road. See you next time. Bye-bye.